So, uh, this is part one of two lessons. We're going through the Bible, and this week and next week are the book of Leviticus. Many of you who have been reading through the Bible enjoyed Genesis. Uh, it had you know, a lot of sex, drugs, and rock and roll in Genesis. And you enjoyed Exodus, frogs falling from the sky, drowning Egyptians, that sort of thing. That others action packed a plenty. Then you came to Leviticus, and you went, no, because it's not anything like the other ones. And you haven't made it to numbers yet, sorry. That one's coming. But I want to talk to you about Leviticus. Leviticus is one of the reasons I'm here today. But before I can really set that up, i got to tell you about my favorite movie. My favorite movie is Kirk Douglas and the Vikings. Now, it's not my favorite movie because it's particularly well acted. Kirk Douglas had one character, but um, it's also not because not it was very well written, because it wasn't. It's my favorite because of the mistakes in it. You see one where the Vikings are coming up the fjord, the slave rowers are there. Let's leave aside that Vikings never used slave rowers. Never. Let's leave that one aside. One, as they, as they zoom in on the rowers, one of them's wearing a watch. <laughs> yes. Another time, during a fight scene, you see a jet contrail going by. Another time, as a camera pans through another sword fight, you see electric lines going up a mountain. You see things like this, every, or I do. Cammie won't watch movies with me. Uh, you know, I'm the guy that in the Die Hard, the second Die Hard movie, and he runs to the phone, went, wait a minute. He's supposed to be in Washington, D.C., and the payphone says Pacific Bell. And then I'm not allowed to be in the room. We call that an anachronism, something outside of time. For those of you that are more erudite, shall we say, the Shakespearean among us, in the, uh, in the opening scene of Macbeth, you've got the boil, boil, toil, and trouble type, but you've also got where a guy brings in a report that he's heard cannon fire, and that's a guy you want on your army team right there because cannons won't make it to Scotland for about another 300 years. And if he can hear them already, that's our guy. It's an anachronism. Put it another way. Let's say that you've gone to Egypt on vacation because you've not watched the news. And as, as the guide is showing you about, you're, you're, he's a boring guide, because you get those sometimes. And so you're bored, and you're just kind of kicking around in the dirt, and you, you, you hit a rock, so you start playing with the rock, and you realize, well, that's a pointy rock. You keep messing around, with, and you, well, it's the top of something else. And everybody else helps, helps to you to dig this thing away, because it's, it, they're bored too. And you've found a new pyramid. Well, it's not new, but it's previously unknown pyramid. And everybody's ever so excited. And they, they, it's, it's an unrobbed one. There's never been, this one's never been opened before. That's incredibly rare, as in never. 
And so they, they open it up. And since you're the first person to have found it, they're going to let you be the first person in. And since you've never watched any movies either, you go in. And you go in, and there's a sarcophagus, and there are the little the, 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 the pots that they put the internal organs in, and there are the hieroglyphics, and there's a Buick, and then over here, and you freeze a bit because there's a Buick in the pyramid, which leaves you with one of two options. One, the Egyptians made Buicks. Two, somebody else has been in here. Well, you're reading Leviticus and your eyes are crossing and blood's coming out your ears because you're getting the boring bits about linen ephods and meal offerings. I ran across a Buick in the pyramid. Most of the folk here know that I've wrestled with God most of my life and that for a portion of it, you'd have to call me an agnostic. I don't think I, don't think I had the guts to be an atheist. An agnostic's probably as close as it got. But regardless... It was this that made me say, okay, there's something else going on. Now, where was that? You might say, where, I missed the Buick. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 11. And I'm going to read a few verses just to show you the sheer poetry. And I say that sarcastically. Moses said to Aaron, Moses, or the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cud. There are some that only chew the cud and only have, or only have a divided hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. If it's ceremonially unclean for you. The hydrax, though it chews the cud, does not have, and it goes on like this forever. And you're reading it going, I got it in verse 3. Verse 3, that's the rule. Why do I need all the other stuff? Well, it's because we always look for loopholes. But there are also some pretty interesting things in here. And there's one thing you may not have expected me to lead with, but I'm going to lead with. It says they've got to chew the cud. If, all right, kids, those of you non-farm people, there are animals that are ruminants. That means that they eat the green in a, in a raw form, like grasses, and it goes into one segment of their stomach. After it's processed there, it goes into another segment of stomach. Some people call these different stomachs. Technically, it's one stomach system. And then after it's processed there, it goes to another, and every so often it has to go back to the first one. That's why, for example, you can see a cow standing in the middle of a field, doing nothing, and all of a sudden it kind of goes, and then starts chewing. And you're going, where did it get stuck? It, it didn't, it got it from in here. It wasn't done. It brought it back up to chew it some more. And then you're thinking, ooh, and I'm thinking, you should remember that the next time you don't like your job. At least I'm not a cow, right? That'll help you. As, 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 as we continue with this, um, he goes on and says, Now the rabbit, though it chews the cud, hang on, rabbits don't chew the cud. So have we found a mistake in the Bible? No, we have found how the Bible was written. It was written to a pre-scientific people, Therefore, it had to be written in a language they understood. 
if you look at a rabbit, it looks like it's chewing the cud. They don't know about segmented stomachs. They don't know about different digestive juices and the breakdowns of each of these. They don't know this stuff. God's not going to say, dissect it to see if you can eat it. He's going to say, here are the outer ways to check. The rabbit looks like it's chewing the cud. It's not chewing the cud. That's just the way rabbits chew. So, God gives them a system that works for farmers, shepherds, potters, who aren't scientists. God writes literature for the target. Remember what I've told you before. The Bible was written for you, but it was not written to you. You need to remember to whom it was written. That changes everything once you start to realize some of this. That's why we don't build an ark. That story was written for us, but the command was not given to us. We understand that difference. The rightly dividing the word has to continue through the rest of it. Why was this so impressive to me? Actually, it's later in the chapter that gets very, very impressive to me, but we may not make it there today. In this first section, what did God do? God removed five different classifications of animals from them, five large groups. These five groups, well, four of them, if they don't eat them, they have a better chance of staying alive. The fifth one is more for social reasons. Let's talk. We all know one animal that the Jews and the Arabs cannot eat. Pigs, right? Which is why when the, the Iraq war first started, I had an idea. I, I know how to win the war without a loss of, of a human life. Fly over, bomb them with pegs. <laughs> I don't mean to be cruel, but live pegs, that way they'll make the, the bomb noise as they fall, that, that sort of thing. <laughs> now, when they hit, there'll be pig splatter, the Arabs have to leave. We come in, clean it up, put up gates, we're done. But President Bush would not answer my letters. <laughs> but the men in the black SUVs were, were actually very nice. Um, <laughs> why weren't they allowed to eat pigs? Well, because of trichinosis. Uh, pigs tend to eat certain foods that then puts parasites into their meat. Now, you might say, oh, I had bacon this morning. You're fine. We have better sanitation. We have better ways to raise them. And we have farms. We're not on the move. So we can control the environment and the diet of the animals. And we can inspect the meat. Plus, if you get a parasite, we have medicine. They didn't. By the way, God will tell them that if you do what I tell you to do, none of these diseases will kill you. But he doesn't tell them all the whys and wherefores. So that's one classification. Animals that tend to carry parasites in the meat are all off the table with this. What about the second one? Let's talk about the bunny, shall we? The rabbit. You might wonder, what's wrong with rabbit meat? And you'd have a very good question. It's very lean. It does not carry parasites at all in the meat. Well, there is a way to get it in the lungs and the like, but 
generally speaking, bunnies are safe to eat, then why weren't they allowed to? Well, they're a barefoot people. There are people with cracked and open feet as they walk and as they take their animals about. When bunnies pee, and while this church has been here 200 years, that's probably the first time that phrase has been used. <clears throat> Forgive me, Alex and Tom and all the other Campbells. They, um, when bunnies pee, they release a parasite that if you have cracked and open feet, it'll get into your bloodstream, it causes a blood disease called tularemia, and you will die. God removed a whole other class of animals from their diet, those that release toxic parasites in their waste products. They're gone. Well, what about some others? Well, any animal in the sea had to have scales. If it had just skin or shell, couldn't eat it. No catfish. Oh, no. That's why we know that whenever Paul said, the Lord be with you all, he wasn't saying with y'all. Because <laughs> Southerners would not have survived this at all. What, what's going on? Well, shrimp, for example. You, you might love shrimp. Shrimp wrapped with bacon, uh, perhaps. Some of you know that uh, some of you have an allergy to shrimp. Technically, you don't. But that doesn't help you to know that. As you're laying there puffing up like a, like a blowfish, having someone yell in your ear, you're not really allergic to the shrimp, is not helpful. What are you allergic to? You're allergic to the stuff the shrimp ate. A shrimp's job is to eat the stuff and get out of the environment all the bad stuff that we don't need. They are the, the cockroaches of the sea. I eat them too. I have no problem with that. But I'm ready to see Jesus. So, you know. Um, same with catfish. The bottom dwellers, what do they do? They suck out of the, the bottom the stuff that needs to be taken out of the system. And so they've successfully removed the toxins from the system, and then we eat them. <laughs> Once again, the circle of life, the toxins are back in the system. Well, what, again, God removes this. Lobster, that's out of there as well. All shellfish, all, things like shark. Why? Because shark, the way that their meat and their whole system is set up, are crawling with parasites they are crawling with stuff you do not want to eat. And I don't care what the books have told you that you can buy on the internet, they're crawling with cancers. I hear, I've, there are th like three different editions of sharks don't get cancer. Yeah, they do. All the time. The reason people keep buying these books is because they've not been around sharks. They don't study these things, and they believe what they find on the internet. And I can't help you if you believe what you find on the internet. All removed from the system. But, all right, so we've got, um, oh, by the way, these things that remove things from the system, some of them do it by attraction, such as cats. Let's talk. The Bible didn't have much use for dogs either. I understand that. 
But why were cats unclean to the Israelites? Well, they weren't allowed to eat them, weren't allowed to have them as a pet. Why? Well, again, some of you are allergic to cats. Technically, you're not. You're allergic to the mites that live on cats. They are coated with mites. And you might think, not my cat. My cat's clean. Let me explain. Um, I worked with homeless people for 10 years in Detroit. I met people that licked themselves. That didn't mean they were spiffy. Your cat licking the mites does not take care of the mites. If mites are everywhere. They are ubiquitous. If you have a pillow that's more than six months old, it weighs 30 to 50% more now than when you bought it. The difference is oil from you, skin from you, hair from you, and the mites that eat it. And the average, I, I sell more pillows. <laughs> the average mattress has 2 billion mites in it. What do they eat? I hear you cry. They eat the flakes of skin that come off of you. Those are like taco chips to them. If you put your ear there on a quiet night, you can almost hear, Riba, Riba, Angle. You know, it's, um. <laughs> In Colorado, I had a Mexican secretary. She loved that line. She used it all the time. Uh, again, mites are everywhere, but God's system removed most of those mites out of your system. He also, and we've not, this is not in the food thing, he also devised a way for you to not worry about sewage getting on your food. We'll get to that perhaps next week as we continue on this. But we don't obey these rules. If we obeyed these rules, the rules in Leviticus 11 through about 15, 16, we would not need flu shots because we wouldn't spread the flu. We would not need a lot of medicine for stomach flus because we wouldn't spread them. For example, anything that comes close to your face could not be anywhere near where the latrines are built. Where are your towels? They're right in the wrong room. Where's your toothbrush? It's in a little holder saying hi to the toilet. <laughs> I had somebody say, but it has to air out. You get to choose the air. <laughs> It doesn't have to be that air. You can remove it from there. And I sell a lot of toothbrushes too. What's the fourth one I hear you cry? It's a spoilage issue. All food that spoils without letting you know it's spoiled is removed from here. The food they're allowed to eat, when it spoils, you know it. Everybody has done this. There's a family, you open up the refrigerator, there's the mystery Tupperware. Not really sure what it was. They open it, and they go, oh, oh, oh. And then they'll come to you, and they'll say, smell that. <laughs> no. No, if I find myself being too comfortable, I'll just poke myself with a stick. <laughs> Besides, and here I'm about to ruin your day, all scents, all aromas are ingestion. If you can smell it, you are absorbing it. Think of that next time you stop at a gas station restroom. 
And you, you do not want to know what I know, and I have to go into a, one of those. You know, I'm ringing a bell, unclean, you know, it's, it's off. The, uh, uh, if you can smell it, you are ingesting it. So no, thanks. If it's bad, I'm not going to be smelling it, not intentionally. There are foods that when they spoil, it's hard to know. There are a certain number of Christians that die every year because of church socials. Uh, that's what you call it, fellowships. Because why? For some reason, it may be in Leviticus somewhere, all food-based products at a church fellowship should be mayonnaise-based. <laughs> and orange is preferable if it can look orange. Uh, even orange jello with orange stray fruit in it. The, and what, what's the problem? When mayonnaise goes, it doesn't let you know real fast until after you've eaten it. Same with milk. Some of you this morning smelled a jug and went, I think it's probably good. Put the milk down. <laughs> Have a, Google the price of an emergency room admission and the price of milk. Okay. Makes it a bit clearer now. I don't know why Dave Ramsey doesn't talk about that one. The, the whole point is God has removed all of these from their system. They don't have to worry about it. They will be healthier than any other nation. And this is one of the great, I've got to check my time, great historical uh, mysteries of all time is why are there still Jews? Now, please, it's not an anti-Jewish statement at all. What it means is, why I mean, the Philistines are gone. The Perizzites and Jebusites and the Gadites and the Moabites and Edomites, they're all gone. What about the, um, the Libyan uh, people that took over Egypt? Oh, they're gone. What about this? They're gone. The Jews are here. How'd they make it? One of the reasons was their hygiene rules and their food rules. Now, I only have a few minutes to do this today, but I want you just to notice something here, which is pretty amazing. Look at verse, uh, we're still in Leviticus 11. Uh, 11 is how we say it, sorry. 11, no, I can't say it your way. <laughs> 10 plus 1. Verse 24 and 25. You will make yourself unclean by these Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Whoever picks up one of their carcasses must wash their clothes, and they will be unclean until evening. Whoa. That's a Buick in the pyramid. This got its final form about 586 B.C., but it was written very close to 900 B.C., so let's just take the 586. We'll call it, round it off, call it 600. Let's walk all the way up here to the year 1700 when somebody for the first time says, I, I think I'm seeing, he was grinding glasses for spectacles and ended up putting a couple of them together and went, whoa, and then put some more together. Lee Hwanhuk was his name. And he saw living creatures that you could not see with the naked eye. He was going, what are those? First time, 200 
uh, sorry, 2,200 plus years later that we understood you could be unclean by touching something. And even then we didn't get it. Joseph Lister was the first doctor to say, you know something, what would be a good idea? Why don't we wash our hands between patients? And because he believed in these little invisible bugs, he was stripped of his medical license, died in poverty. Edward Jenner had to prove with the smallpox vaccinations, no, these little things actually do something in us. Louis Pasteur was the first one to say, they are living creatures. They're not a remnant of spontaneous generation. It, this is the first time and the only time in 2,350 years that any book will tell us you can get dirty and sick by touching something. If we'd followed the rules in Leviticus, there would have been no black death in Europe. None. If we'd followed the rules, if we still followed the rules, if we still washed as we should and did as we, as we should. By the way, I'm a very, very aware that these laws have all been laid aside with Jesus coming, and his law is to love each other and love God. I got that. I do. But that's only because we can die now and be saved. <laughs> so, good luck. That's why God dropped that big sheet full of all kinds of critters in front of Peter and said, you know, if you're hungry, grab one. He said it a bit more elegantly, but the rise, Peter, kill and eat. But that's what he meant. Uh, Peter was appalled, as some of you are. There it is. He goes on. Whoever picks up one of these carcasses must wash their clothes. Well, wait a minute, I didn't pick it up with my clothes. Oh, we know now. Let's say you have a wee boy. You've probably, this has already happened, probably. He's run in. Look, mama, a dead bird. You go, ho, ho, ha, ha, ha. And you get it, you shake it outside. You hose him down. Then you make him take his clothes off. Why? That stuff's on him. We didn't know that. The Jews didn't have CSI. They didn't understand this. But we understand how it migrates, how it moves very quickly. Ebola, how it moves very quickly and how it's very dangerous. And so God said, let's take care of it. And we'll talk more about this next week whenever we talk more about the cycle of contagion. But understand something. There is no way a shepherd, head of sheep, Sinai division for 40 years, can know immunology, bacteriology, and microbiology. No, he, he cannot know nutrition and dietetics. He cannot know parasitology. He cannot understand the concept of hygiene and the like. He is being told something which did not come from here. There are two main philosophies of life. I know you can break these down into many. One, the universe is a box. And everything within that box must be explained by processes within the box. In other words, once upon a time, there was nothing, it blew up, and then there was you. Everything within the box, no God, no outside agency. The other says, the universe is a box. But at least once, if not many times, something reached in from outside 
that had other power, other knowledge that we did not have and gave us the benefits of that power and that knowledge. There are days still to this day where it'd be a lot more convenient for me if I did not believe in God. But Leviticus happened. It's in there. And there is no explanation for this except that something reached in from outside the box and gave it to these people. And so they survived when no other tribe did. They survived. Next week, we'll talk about immunology. Yay! <laughs> and dermatology. And it, we'll even talk about various oozings. But for the moment, know this. Leviticus is not a book to be skipped over if you're a science person. Because if you're a science person, when you hit this, all of a sudden you reel with a great reality that this cannot happen without a God. This cannot happen without somebody reaching in from outside the box. Would you stand with me, please? And Mark, would you bring your team? All right. Okay. A clarification. The young adults, college-age class will be meeting in Nancy's office, right through here, almost directly through that door, during connection groups. All right. That said, we're about to sing an old hymn. I think we're still singing the blood song, right? Okay. <laughs> like, the, the, there's only one. There was once upon a time a horrible terrorist that wreaked havoc against the government. His name was George Washington. I know you guys liked him. He wasn't that popular on my side of the pond. But he won your independence and yay. Then, to, um, to reward him, I'm too short to be down here. To reward him, he got a cold and you killed him. Because you said, you know what's wrong with him? He's got too much blood. And he kept bleeding him. So he couldn't recover and he died. The book of Leviticus says, don't take the blood. Life is in the blood. And later, Jesus would show us that he would give us everything when he gave us the blood. There is wisdom in Scripture if we learn how to rightly divide the word. Remember as you walk around this world today, something has reached in from outside.